Hello, my friends. You're listening to Repent and Believe podcast with Cynthia Smalls of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here we talk and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fast and God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I'd like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. And this is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How is everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You beloved are to never give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, beloved, listen, got something urgent to put on the floor today. What life looks like without sin in it? Can we live without willfully sinning? because that's what we need to talk about today. So beloved, before we get started, let us get some understanding from the word of God over here in the book of James chapter one, as we pray, Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, we come today to you with great love in our hearts for you. Father, we do not find it burdensome at all to follow your commandments. What would it look like if the body of Christ come together as one unifying body who makes a commitment to sin not, to actually follow Christ's command in John 8:11 now that we have been forgiven we have been commanded to go comma and sin no more we see in the book of John in the book of James starting in chapter 1 verse 2 the holy spirit through James tells us to Consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, when you fall into various trials. Be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. And let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith, lacking in nothing. 
Amen. If any of you lacks wisdom to guide him through a decision or circumstance, he is to ask of our benevolent God, who gives to everyone generously and without rebuke or blame, and it will be given to him. Amen. But he must ask for wisdom in faith without doubting God's willingness to help. For the one who doubts is like a billowing surge of the sea that is blown about and tossed by the wind. For such a person ought not to think or expect that he will receive anything at all from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable and restless in all his ways, in everything he thinks, feels, or decides. Amen. And then, Father, if we come down to verse 13, because as you know, We are talking about sin today. People who claim the name of Jesus as their Lord and Savior unto salvation, they make a claim that it is impossible to stop sinning, that it cannot be expected of you nor the Son to actually continue to live in these bodies in this fallen world and not sin. They believe it is impossible. James 1.13 shows us the progression of sin. Let no one say when he is tempted... I am being tempted by God, for temptation does not originate from God, but from our own flaws. For God cannot be tempted by what is evil, and he himself tempts no one. Verse 14, here we go with the progression. But each one is tempted when he is dragged away, enticed, and baited to commit sin by his own worldly desire, lust, passion. Then when the illicit desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin has run its course, it gives birth to death. Do not be misled, my beloved brothers and sisters. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights, the creator and sustainer of the heavens, in whom there is no variation, no rising or setting or shadow cast by his turning, for he is perfect and never changes. Amen. So, Father, if we come down to verse 21. So, get rid 
of all uncleanness and all that remains of wickedness and with a humble spirit receive the word of God, which is implanted, actually rooted in your heart, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word, actively and continually obeying God's precepts and not merely listeners who hear the word but fail to internalize its meaning, deluding yourselves by unsound reasoning contrary to the truth. Amen. Verse 23, for if anyone only listens to the word without applying it, he is like a man who looks very carefully at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he immediately forgets what he looked like. But he who looks carefully into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and faithfully abides by it, not having become a careless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys. He will be blessed and favored by God and what he does in his life of obedience. Amen. There we have it, Father. There we have it. The problem is those who consistently and by persistence commit willful sin is because they choose to do it. They want my hand is the first to be raised, Father. I am a witness to the madness that when we want what we want and do what we want that goes against your holy precepts, we sin willfully. So, Father, I ask for wisdom today, discernment and clarity of mind. May my mind remain sober. May the Holy Spirit move on me. Give me understanding of your word. Father, show me and my brothers and sisters in Christ. Show us your ways so that we may follow them without complaint. Your way is the best way. Your way is the only way. If we are serious about our salvation, then we will listen, follow, and obey your son who willingly laid down his life on our behalf, dying, paying the penalty of our wrongdoing doings on the cross, making atonement for our sins, paying the penalty. And then for us in the 21st century, going to complain, just complain that it's impossible to stop sinning. Well, I have to beg the question, are we even trying 
to live holy lives? I mean, are we truly trying or or are we lying and complaining because we know what is right, but the flesh seems to scream louder. Father, we ain't going to make it. Not doing that. We're not going to make it. So, Father, we lift up holy and clean hands to you. We give you reverence this day. Hallowed be thy holy name. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for sending Holy Spirit that we can be consecrated unto you, set apart from this world so we can do your good works. Help us, strengthen us so that we may endure until the end. Because Jesus tells us in Matthew 24, 13, that the one that will be saved is the man who endures until the end. Thank you, Father. Bless your holy name. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, beloved. Listen, I just want to... I just want to clarify something. I was listening to the previous podcast. What was the topic? Hold on. Right. It was about five ways to really live for Christ. Somewhere in there, I don't, I can't recall if it was in the middle, the beginning or the end, but I was talking about James. Um, I forget why I, I know I was quoting a scripture from him, but I made a comment that this James was the the brother of John. Oh, I know what it was. I was no, don't get me to lying. But I made a mention that James, who wrote the book of James, was John's brother. No. The one who wrote the book of James was Jesus, if you want to say half-brother. So I just wanted to make that clarification because James, the one we, we was just reading out of, he was the leader of the Jerusalem church and was the half-brother of Jesus. He became a believer after the resurrection of Jesus and was later martyred for his faith. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because listen, we got to talk about something real quick. What he mentioned in, in verse 15 about this whole progression of sin, because remember in verse 15, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death. We got to understand that in the previous verse, James made it clear that temptation to sin always, always beloved comes from within ourselves. It's never God's fault. No matter how terrible our circumstances are, the desire 
to sin is still ours. We are tempting ourselves to sin. God provides trials and ordeals as a way to exercise our faith in order to make it stronger. The the pull, the, the lure of giving up sinning and defying God is not the purpose of his will. Here, James warns us of the consequence of giving into our desire, which is falling into sin. Beloved, listen, the mindset and the instruction and command is to sin not. Going forward in Christ, we do not make it a practice to sin. That don't mean that the desire and lust to sin has gone away, but we should not give into said desires and lust. God's grace teaches us to reject all immoral desires and lust. And so, When we say yes to the desire to do what we want instead of trusting God and obeying him, well, then guess what? Sin is born. Then sin grows up and produces death. And we know this because Paul, thank you, Holy Spirit, tells us in Romans 6.23 that The wages of sin is death. Beloved, we are talking about eternal separation from God and the Son tormenting in this lake of fire on Judgment Day. Study Revelation 20, please. Namely, verse 15 and verse 12. Matter of fact, Study verses 10 to 15. Mm -hmm. Listen, sin, okay, because we can play around in it if we want to, but sin always leads to death. For those who are not in Christ, who have not accepted God's free gift of forgiveness of sin through repentance, who have not been born again to a new life, Well, death is permanent and eternal. You know what? I was thinking about this the other day. I was driving home and it, 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 it really hit me. Although we, we know this to be a fact that death is permanent. Once you die, there's no coming back. Now, I know there have been many, many, many movies, books, DVDs, people's testimonies about how they died. Either they went to heaven or hell, but that they came back to tell us a message from heaven. Beloved, 
whether those stories are true or not. We, we don't see that in the Bible, that a person died, went to hell or, or went to heaven. Now I'm, I'm not talking about visions. Okay. Because we know those prophets, some of them actually had a vision and they were given privilege because that's what it is privilege to actually see the throne of God we know who was it Ezekiel I believe Isaiah and and we know Paul even though Paul didn't clearly say it's me I'm talking about he was saying how he knew a man but from the the context of it all we know that Paul went up to the third heaven but we don't see any accounts of everyday folk in whether it be the old testament or the new testament that they gave an account of dying going to hell coming back or going to heaven and then coming back to give a message. Now, we know of the story of the rich man and we see that conversation going on over there in Luke, but he was still in hell. And he was telling Father Abraham to send someone to go and preach to his brothers about not coming to his coming to this place. And Abraham said, "No. They have Moses and the law. So we know death is permanent. And if you die in your sins, you will go straight to a burning hell. We got to wake up and understand the unrighteous. And we can claim Jesus name all day. But if we are living in habitual sin, we will go straight to hell when we die only to await final sentencing when Jesus comes back and sets up this great white throne judgment. So sin always leads to death. Okay. And we got to understand too, as followers of Jesus, sin brings deadly consequences. Oh, yes, it does. Okay. Because the context of James 1 verses 2 to 18, it begins with a challenging command for, for us. We are to classify hard things in this life as joyful. Because those ordeals help us develop a deeper trust in God. And we who trust God also seek wisdom from him. And not from ungodly sources, we continue to trust him through difficult experiences. And that includes lustful desires, beloved in part to receive the crown of life promised to those who don't stop in their faith. 
We don't blame God for our desire to sin, but we do credit him for every good thing in our lives. Amen. Because listen, those who claim the name and still practice willful, deliberate, blatant sin is not born of God. They can claim one saved, always saved until they are blue in the face, but biblical truth will always stand in spite of their deception that they can live any kind of way and still go to heaven. Yes, the devil has lied to many and for some, it was too late to repent. They died in their practicing sin. Listen, no one who is born of God deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin. Why? Because God's seed, his principle of life, the essence of his righteous character remains permanently in him who is born again, who is reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for his purpose. And he who is born again cannot habitually live a life characterized by sin. Why? Why, Cynthia? Please tell us why. Well, the Spirit of God says, because he is born of God and longs to please him. That's why. And we know 1 John 3, 9. Mm -hmm. So many self-professing Christians believe and will tell you that all unrepented people are sinners and therefore can only be saved by the grace of God, which is true, which is true. But the actual problem is that these are the same ones who think that we can't, cannot live without sinning and hence, we shouldn't even try to. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Houston, we got ourselves a big old problem with that. Beloved, what is sin? In order to find out whether we can live without sin or not, we first have to clarify what sin is. The transgression of the law is considered to be a sin in God's eyes. God has given us the commandments because he wants us to keep them. It is a sin to ignore God's word intentionally. That's why it is sinful to disobey the commandments of God. The New Testament says, Whosoever committed sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the, is the transgression of the law. 1 John 3, 4. Furthermore, it is also a sin to do bad things on purpose, and that we should know this, beloved. 
If you have the choice between a good deed and a bad deed, and you deliberately choose the bad one, you can clearly call that a sin. James 4.17 Therefore to him that know it to do good and do it it not, to him it is sin. Amen. Listen, it is important. It is very important to understand that your sin, no, that you sin, I sin with our heart and not necessarily with our bodies or actions. Think about it. Jesus said that you already, that you are already an adulterer if you lust after a woman or a man that is not your spouse, even though this isn't a real quote unquote, quote, uh, nah, quote, unquote deed or act, it is still a sin. Why? Because your heart has sinned. Listen, Matthew 5, 27 to 28, Jesus said, you have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ calls the people to repentance. His behavior shows us that God doesn't want us to sin at all, beloved. He himself was free of sin and taught us how to live a holy life according to the Father's will. He also strongly warned the people to live without sin Christ Jesus absolutely did not approve or tolerate sin. Not then and certainly not now. If someone has sinned, he forgave that person, but also strictly commanded them to never sin again. Amen. And that is all I'm trying to bring by God's grace to our awareness. Now that we are born again, the expectation from heaven is for us to sin no more. Listen, John 5, 14. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more lest a worse thing come upon thee. Amen. And he was talking to the man whom he healed, who was lame in his feet for like over 38 years. And Jesus told him, going forward, sin no more unless a worse thing happens to you, which is what? Hell. What can possibly be the worst thing when you continue to live a life of willful sin and you are still alive. Once that you have been forgiven, not to mention the unrepentant, they got a bigger fish 
to fry. They need to come to Christ. But now that we are in Christ, do you not know what the worst thing that can happen to you if you deliberately go on sinning after you have come to the knowledge of the truth? Hebrews 10, 26 tells us that our only expectation, right, Holy Spirit, what else could we possibly expect for living a life of deliberate, habitual, constant sin? Fiery judgment. Don't say, well, no heaven. <laughs> I'm saved. I'm, I'm always saved. No, 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 no. Your expectation, my expectation for willfully sinning still up until the day we draw our last breath or Christ returns is only fiery judgment, not heaven. I hate to keep breaking that to you. It, it won't be heaven. So Jesus says over here in John 8, 11, yes, I'm constantly... The Holy Spirit is constantly directing us to John 8, 11. Why? To show us the pattern. Once we are forgiven, we go, comma, and sin no more. This is what Jesus told the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. Although she was dragged to his feet by those hypocritical Pharisees and and scribes and the mob, they could not condemn her by stoning because they too had sin. And Jesus told the crowd, if any one of you have no sin, be the first one to stone this woman. Now I'm paraphrasing. Y'all go read it. Okay. What happened? They all had sin, and so no one could throw a stone, and they all left. And Jesus asked the woman, where are your accusers? Has, has anyone condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And he says, well, I condemn you not. Go, comma, and sin no more. So Jesus' expectation of her was that after he has not condemned her. She is now to live a life without willful, blatant sin. Amen. So, why should Jesus preach that people should stop sinning if it wouldn't matter to God anyway? Because this is the mindset of the once saved, always saved camp. People claim that Jesus died for our sins, and that's true. But he did not die for the sake of justifying our sinful behavior. Oh, absolutely not. We all know, well, we should know the gospel that Christ Jesus died on the cross for our sins and he was buried. And on the third day, God raised Jesus from the dead. And the good news because of that, 
God has made a way now for sinners to be made right with him when they believe what Jesus did for them on the cross over 2,000 years ago. And we put our faith in Jesus and he has reconciled us back to the Father. That's the good news. A way has been made for sinners to not go to hell, to live a life of repentance, producing good fruits of righteousness, maintaining their faith until the end, then they shall be saved. Because this process, as long as we have life in these mortal fleshly bodies, we are being sanctified consecrated unto God, being trained in righteous in, in righteousness and holiness. Not grieving Holy Spirit with all the kicking and the, the, the bucking up against God's holy commands. Listen, another example of God's rejection of sin is Jesus reaction in the temple of God. When Christ Jesus saw the people abusing the temple as a marketplace, he became so angry that he knocked over the tables and booths of the vendors, all those money changers, chasing them, chasing them and their animals out of the temple with a whipping cord for, for him it was a great sin that people abused the temple of God for their greedy purposes. He never protected hypocritical peace at the cost of God's will. He always did exactly what the father wanted him to do, regardless of the people's reaction or opinion. Amen. Look, Matthew 21, 12 to 13. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. Amen. And we see this today still going on. All of these false prophets and bishops and pastors, evangelists and teachers and prophets making merchandise of God's people, just selling us their wares in the church, online, in the bookstores. And what they write, they may put a schmidgen, a schmidgen of truth, but for the most part, it is unbiblical and is unscriptural. It is a watering down of the word of God, appeasing your ego so that the life you are truly living, forget about what you show up on Sunday morning with that mask on, but behind closed doors, you know how you are living. The Lord knows it, but then we go out and we buy these books, giving us a feel good. It is, it is 
a continuing of their tickling ear messages and then they package it in a book and sell it to us to to further indoctrinate the false doctrine that says in essence because they can say what they want that you can still live a life anyway and you still get to go to heaven because you have eternal security beloved please don't have me drag us back over there to john 10 27 where jesus made the statement that they love to go to what is it john 10 27 to to 29 but but mainly verse 28 where Jesus said, no man can pluck them out of my hand. And these are they who actually believe they are Jesus' sheep, his, his, his true sheep. Now, Jesus clarified, and I'm so glad he did, in verse 27, who his true sheep were. It is not the one who is still in their homosexual lifestyle, who refuse to come up out of these adulterous remarriages, who won't put away the weed and the alcohol and the cigarettes and the popping of the pills. He was not talking about fornicators, adulterers, liars, and murderers, gossips, and those who cause division. He was not talking about the one who who idolized everything and everyone but the true and living God. He was not talking about those who practice sin as a lifestyle. He was talking about those who listens, who knows his voice because he has revealed himself to that person and they know what he sounds like. Because it matches up with the word. So we know his voice. Why? He has spoken to us. How is it that we would know his voice if we have never heard his voice? Well, no, Jesus don't speak to people today. Yes, he does. Yes, I'm a witness. I will stand flat footed. And tell you to your face, Christ Jesus does speak to us. Oh, yes, he does. Yes. So when he says his sheep knows his voice, that's because they follow him and they obey him. And because we obey him, Jesus tells us, I believe, what is it? Oh, y'all going to make me quote this. What is it over there in John 15? That he will reveal himself to the one who obeys his commandments. Yes, that's the one Jesus says no one can pluck out of his hand. Amen. So the question becomes, can we live without sin? Because I hate, I hate to keep breaking it to you. That all who want their lustful, sinful, immoral cake and Jesus too, you can't have both. He told us you can't serve God and the devil. No. But guess what? There's good news. 
the Father enables us to live without sin. How? Holy Spirit. He gave us his spirit to to help us live the life in Christ. So, does the Bible say that the unrighteous enter the kingdom of God? Can somebody really be saved if he or she sins permanently? Let me just say this. Our own works and efforts won't be able to make us righteous before God. Only God himself can help us to keep up with his expectations and make us able to live without sin. To get a new life means to be born of God. Everyone who is born of God inherits his holy nature and therefore lives and acts according to his will. Point blank, beloved. When we, no, when are we going to start looking towards eternity and not to the here and now? Why can't we as a united body of Christ come into agreement as a whole and stop sinning knowing that the day of our risen glorious king is fastly approaching? Why can't we just simply obey the Father and the Son on a consistent, persistent, intentional basis daily without complaining that it's just too hard to be like Christ? Although we've claimed his name to get out of hell, but then no one wants to crucify that flesh, folks. Let me implore you, no, I beseech you, repent and stop sinning. Otherwise, none of us are going to make it. I keep telling you on the podcast, God is no one to play with. Do you not know that Jesus told us to fear God, who has the power to throw both body and soul into hell? But you think you have, quote unquote, eternal security and a loving grandfather. Oops, I mean a loving God. So they say would never, ever do that to his children. Oh, no. Then you, my friend, have not read Hebrews 1030. Mm hmm. So. Let's go to it. For we know him who said, vengeance is mine. Retribution and the deliverance of justice rest with me. Let me say that again. Retribution and the deliverance of justice rest with me. I will repay the wrongdoer. And again, the Lord will judge his people. Yes. Verse 31. Listen, it is a fearful 
and terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God, incurring his judgment and wrath. Amen. And this is the side that most and many pastors, quote unquote, do not preach and teach about God. They don't preach the full counsel. You want to know why? Teaching on sin, repentance, hell, the lake of fire. Don't put ducats in the buckets. They won't get paid preaching like that. Oh, no, no. They come with a tickling ear, feel good, warm and cozy, all fuzzy messages. One world-renowned pastor who only wants to smile in your face says he will not teach this in his church about sin. You want to know why? According to him, people get beat up about how they are living anyway. So he is not going to beat them up any further. You know what that means? He is on purpose allowing people to go straight to hell and he is not about correction. He is not about reproving. He's not rebuking anybody. All he wants to do is smile in your face, encourage you and tell you that God wants you to live your best life now. Mm -mm -mm. He's going to have to pay for that. Listen. And then in verse 36 of Hebrews 10, for you have need of patient endurance to bear up under difficult circumstances without compromising. You understand that? Without compromising. So that when you have carried out the will of God, you may receive see, this is why we are standing firm, okay? Killing the flesh, making no provision for it because we love God and we respect his will and we are not looking to do anything that will offend him any longer by acts of disobedience. Oh, absolutely not. So, Where are we at? Right. So that when you have carried out the will of God, you you may receive and enjoy to the full what is promised. Verse 37. For yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come. I can't express this enough. We got to understand Jesus Christ is coming back. That's not a bumper sticker. That's 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 not a, a poem or, or something to, you know, well, yes, we know he's coming back. Yes, yes, we know. Mm-hmm. Well, then if we know he's coming back, our lives should be reflective of his fastly approaching. So when it says he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one, verse 38 of Hebrews 10, 
The one justified by faith shall live by faith, respecting man's relationship to God and trusting him. And if he draws back, shrinking in fear, my soul has no delight in him. But our way is not that of those who shrink back to destruction, but we are of those who believe, relying on God through faith in Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and by this confident faith, preserve the soul. Amen. Again, I say, our own works and efforts won't be able to make us righteous before God. Only God himself can help us to keep up with his expectations and make us able to live without sin. To get a new life means to be born of God. Everyone who is born of God inherits his holy nature and therefore lives and acts according to his will. Amen. Christ Jesus says, no man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Amen. John six forty John six forty four. First John five one tells us Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And every one that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. Amen. Listen, whoever is born of God is guided by his truth. All you need to do is to listen to him and what he commands you to do. He enables himself to, to keep let me say that again. He himself enables us to keep his commandments. The Bible even says that whoever is born of God cannot sin at all. Yep, I'm about to bring us to 1 John 3, verses 3 to 10. Because many people don't understand that as children of God, we cannot Go on habitually sinning. And if you are habitually sinning, then you are not born of God. I know we all at some point, some of us, me included, had to come to this realization that if we are born of God, we do what is right. Listen. I gave y'all right, First John 3, 3 to 10. Let me just hone in on verse 9. Whoever is born of God, do not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this, verse 10, in this, the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his believing brother. Mm -hmm. Yes, beloved, everyone who is born of God overcomes the world. For such a person 
it ain't difficult. It, it ain't difficult to keep the commandments of God. Not at all. First John 5, 2 to 5. By this, we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and keep his commandments, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. He who, who, no, no, who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the son of God. That's the one who overcomes the world. Amen. So <clears throat> if you are really born of God, you will automatically keep the commandments of God. God's spirit tells you exactly what to do. In other words, because you love what God loves and you hate what he hates, which is what? Sin. The commandments of God which, by the way, Christ Jesus summarized. He summarized the, the commandments of God over there in Matthew chapter 22. Because on those two commandments, he gives us all of God's laws and commandments now hang on those two commandments that when we do those we fulfill God's law. <clears throat> Jesus says over here in verse 36, because <clears throat> one of the Pharisees, no, one of the scribes, lawyers, once again, here they go trying to test Jesus about the law. So in verse 36 of Matthew 22, this lawyer said, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments, Hang all the law and the prophets. Amen. Beloved, the law of Christ perfectly matches the will of God. That is why Paul said over here in Galatians 5.18, But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. And then he says in 2 Corinthians 3.3, for as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tablets of not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. Amen. Beloved, under this new covenant that was ratified by Jesus shed blood on the cross. It is all about love. 
It is not about tablets written in stone. It is all about that new fleshly pliable heart that was put in us because that old stony heart was taken out. That old dead spirit has been taken out and God through our faith in Jesus Christ, he put in us a new spirit that has been regenerated, transformed, renewed from above. God's Holy Spirit indwells our newborn, regenerated spirit, whereby now we long to please him. No longer do we want to come against his righteous commandments because Jesus' two commandments, the law of Christ, summarize all of the law and all of the writings of the prophets. So when we when we follow Jesus' commands, we automatically feel fulfill God's commands. Amen. So God's children live without willful, blatant sin. Yes, beloved, whoever is born of God is no longer a sinner in his eyes. The Bible says that we were, we were sinners, but not, but not that we are still sinners if we have been born again. Mm -hmm. Romans 5. 6 through 8 tells us, Paul says, while we were still helpless, powerless to provide for our salvation, at the right time, Christ died as a substitute for the ungodly. Now, it is an extraordinary thing for one to willingly give his life even for an upright man, though perhaps for a good man, one who is noble and selfless and worthy, someone might even dare to die. Verse 8, But God clearly shows and proves his own love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. And we know God is not a sinner and therefore his children live without willful blatant sin. Those who have been born of, of God are no longer a part of this world and are no longer slaves to the evil one. Mm -hmm. They are children of God and not of this world and we better know that listen John 1 verses 12 to 13 but as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name which were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of God. Amen. Matthew 5:48. Be ye therefore perfect even as your father which is in heaven is perfect. Amen. Beloved, listen. We have to believe God's promise if we want to change. Everyone who doesn't believe that he 
can live without sin will also never be able to do so. And this is why they will say to those who are not making it a practice to live a lifestyle of sin. So you mean to tell me you don't sin because we all sin. We are still sinners. No, if you believe you are still a sinner, that's because you still sin. Why would anyone whose, whose life is not characterized by sin, why would they agree with you that we are all still sinners when we are not practicing willful sin? Because we know the consequences of it and we know our Heavenly Father, our Lord and Savior are not playing with, <clears throat> with this lake of fire. So why would we come into agreement with darkness. Why? Then you must not be born again because you want to be a sinner still and saved by grace. You want to eat from the table of the Lord and the table of demons because you still believe by your own actions that you are still a sinner and that God's grace got you anyway. I'm telling y'all, we better stop playing with grace. Taking it willfully as a license to sin. Wanting that to cover up when you know full. My bell. You and I know fully well that God hates sin. There is no sin that he approves. Again, it is bad enough when we miss the mark and it is terrible, horrible, shameful when we do so. That is why we immediately repent, confess it, and going forward, we ain't doing that no more. Uh-uh. No, it means something to us when we grieve the Father. We are ashamed. We don't go around justifying it, making excuses for it, talking about, well, you know, we all still sin. We all still live in this body because who was it? John said, if you say you have no sin, then you are a liar. Beloved, please study first John because the whole context of it all around that infamous quote you are a liar if you say you have no sin is talking about those who who act like before coming to Christ right that they are such good people they they don't have any sin therefore it's no reason for them to repent and confess anything I'm, I'm a good person and worse yet you have believers who claim the name of Jesus and because they wrongly believe that they can sin and still go to heaven. And for them, they too say, I don't need to repent. There's nothing for me to confess because my past, present, and future sins have all been nailed to the cross. So there's no reason to confess. God got me irregardless. And that simply not is not true. Jan John, 
does not want us to be deceived by that mindset. And so if we have sinned, we have an advocate in heaven, Christ Jesus. Because in verse 9, John tells us what to do about when we sin. Not that we take 1 John 1, 9. Yeah, 1 John 1, 9 as a license to sin, knowing that God is faithful. He will forgive us when we confess our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But do not think for one skinny moment that God does not see the motive when you pull out 1 John 1, 9 and demand that he got to forgive you because he must keep his word. Beloved, you playing with fire, just like I was playing with fire. Listen. Mm -hmm. God, our Heavenly Father, created his children in his very own image. And he knows, he knows that we are absolutely capable of living a perfectly holy life just as Jesus did. Why shouldn't we be able to live without sinning if Jesus was able to? Because listen, okay, before you all be like, well, that's Jesus. Of course, he's God. Of course, he didn't sin. Well, when you God, I got a question for you, okay? If if that's your reasoning, why do you think you wanted to be born again? How is it that now that you are born again, right? How is it that you can even think that it's okay? to continue to behave in the way you did and live before being born again, then what was the purpose of you coming to Christ? Just so you don't go to hell, but that you can still eat, drink, and be merry? Beloved, we, we, are, we are deceived. No. You can't no longer think that way you gotta repent listen Matthew listen okay I know I was gonna say people think that is that it is and and I'm talking about people in the body believe that it is impossible to live as Jesus lived which was how obeying the father in everything okay we know before I get to Matthew 17, 18 to 21, we know we still live in these bodies, right? Because James told us about having desires of lust. And when we give into those desires, well, sin grows and it will always lead to death. He also tells us in the same book what to do when we are faced with these lustful desires. We are to submit ourselves to God. We are to resist the devil and he will flee from you. 
He will flee with what? All of his temptations. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So if we have submitted ourselves, consecrated, allowing Holy Spirit to direct our attention to Jesus Christ and not this world, then when when temptation comes, because it's going to come, it, it, it doesn't have that same attraction to us. We're in times past, me personally, I could see a good looking man and then I get to thinking how many ways can I entice him to, to, to get his attention so that we can now hook up. Now that when I see a good looking man, it doesn't move me in any way other than the fact that, oh, that's, that's a nice looking man. And that's it. The, the next thought isn't, hmm, how can I make sure I be here tomorrow at the same time? Because when I show up tomorrow, oh, it's going to be on and popping because I'm going to make sure I get his attention. No, I I don't have that next thought because by the grace of God, it is nothing that I'm that I can claim that, oh, I got this in the bag. No, when you spend time in God's word with Holy Spirit, focusing on Jesus and eternity, the things that goes on in this world, it don't have that same appealing attraction. That's because I, we have been born again. My mind is being renewed every day. And and not to mention, I put these loins on the facts. No fornicator, no adulterer. No harlot, no whoremonger, no liar, no murderer, no thief, no drunkard will inherit God's kingdom. I don't want to go to hell. That's the motivation. Because I love God. I love what Jesus done for me. I love the brethren. So I'm not going to be on here teaching that it is possible and doable to live a life without sin. And then once I shut off the mic, I'm over at somebody's house getting it on. Absolutely not. So Matthew 17, 18 to 21, Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the boy was healed at once. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and asked, why could we not drive it out? He answered, because of your little faith, your lack of trust and confidence in the power of God. For I assure you and most solemnly say to you, if you have living faith, the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there. And if it is God's will, it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. But this kind of demon does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Amen. Listen, as a footnote up there in verse 20, right? Jesus used this moment to to emphasize to the disciples that a person's confident abiding faith combined with God's power can produce 
absolutely amazing results. If the request is in harmony with God's will, God is fully capable of doing that which man regards as impossible. Amen. So if we apply this to sin, we have been instructed to ask God for wisdom and he will give it to us without rebuking us, making us feel dumb for even asking. Have you ever gone to God and asked him to give you strength not to sin? And you mean tell me that that he won't give it to you? That that he won't give you grace to endure that trial, that temptation? You mean to tell me that God is so cold-hearted that he expects for us to live this life and not sin and not give us the tools, if you will, to make it possible. And so when Jesus gave this, this, this parable over here, this, this illustration that your faith, your faith can move mountains. That if you believe that our father will give you the strength to stop sinning, won't he do it? Or like Jesus said, are you of little faith? Because of your of your lack of trust and confidence in the power of God. Ask God to help you. He already sent Holy Spirit. In your prayer time, ask God to, to strengthen you so that if you know this particular thing keeps tripping you up, ask him to to strengthen you and to not give you the desire to even want to do that. And that's where the gift of repentance comes into play. The gift of repentance is, is truly a blessing from heaven. It is the ability to not even want to sin. Although we can, and many and most are still doing it to our eternal spiritual demise, but we have this ability now that we are born again. We got a new spirit. We got a new heart. We love God with everything within us. He, he enables us to not even want the sin anymore. But if you don't know this because you're too busy out in the world, up under the, these false ministries with all of their high sounding nonsense, that God still loves you even when you blatantly sin in his face, when you and I trample underfoot the precious blood of Jesus that bought us that we can still live just filthy and foul and nasty and still get to go to heaven but you and I have not taken the time to go into the word of God and see we have help so right Holy Spirit before you get to screaming and claiming how it's impossible to stop sinning. I challenge you. I double dog dare you to go into the scriptures and find out we do in fact 
have help so that we don't live a life of sin. We have instructions. We have commandments. We have all of heaven living on the inside of us. Not to mention witnesses in heaven that are cheering us on to finish the race. Get me started. So. Before I let y'all go, because I, I, I got I got so much. Listen. I'm going to try to read the rest of my notes straight through. Okay. Listen. No one can get salvation if he doesn't want to believe God. God believes in his children and he loves them. He is full of confidence that everyone can become like his son, Jesus. The father has sent Jesus to teach us how to live a holy life according to his will. Jesus Christ, Jesus is the firstborn of God's children. Everyone who is born of God becomes a child of God, just as he is. We should follow his example if we want to please the Father. Jesus even said that we can do greater things than him. Why? Because when he goes back to the Father, he will pray and ask the Father to send Holy Spirit. And now there will be many more brethren, many more of us in the earth who can who can do more in extent and outreach just by today's travel abilities and technology alone that was not available in Jesus day we will be able to do greater things just like he said we would be able to because although Jesus is God but while on the earth doing the Father's will, as his attesting miracles, healings, casting out demons, raising the dead back to life, testify to his deity. He operated in his humanity. See, look, John 14, 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he also do. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Amen. And by him going to the Father, he is going to send us Holy Spirit. So that there will be many more believers on the earth. We can reach far and wide. And now that we are in the 21st century with all of this technology at the press of a button, we can spread the gospel. Yes. So, again, everyone who is born of God becomes a child of God just as he is. Amen. Romans eight twenty nine. For whom he did foreknew, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. 
Amen. Ephesians 5, 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Amen. Beloved, the grace of God is made available when we sin and miss God's glorious standards. But it is not a license to sin. We confess all sin and repent and henceforth sin not. Because unfortunately, the grace of God is misused by many Christians for their own purposes. They pretend that they don't even have to try to please God because the grace of God would save them. Well, we know that Paul put the kibosh to that high sounding nonsense over there in Romans 6. Listen, starting in verse 1, and then I'm going to let you go. Because up there at the end of verse 5, he was talking about this wonderful grace of God that we have, right? So he was saying in verse 1 of Romans 6, What shall we say to all of this? Should we continue in sin and practice sin as a habit so that God's gift of grace may increase and overflow? Certainly not. How can we, the very ones who died to sin, continue to live in it any longer? Or are you ignorant of the fact that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We have therefore been buried with him through baptism into death so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory and power of the Father, we too might walk habitually in newness of life, abandoning our old ways. Okay, we got to get that memo too. Our old ways are abandoned. So verse 5, for if we, listen, if we have become one with him permanently united in the likeness of his death, we will also certainly be one with him and share fully in the likeness of his resurrection. Verse 6, we know, okay, another memo we got to get. We know that our old self, our human nature without the Holy Spirit was nailed to the cross with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For the person who has died with Christ has been freed from the power of sin. Amen. So, let the Holy Spirit help us out here. Grace totally doesn't mean that we can sin freely without any consequences. Now, the Father wants us to love him and follow his commandments. That's how we can live a life without willful sin, even in this fallen world with all of his lusts and temptations, even when we are in these 
fleshly, mortal, disgusting, nasty bodies that still have the propensity and desire to sin some more, but we shut it all down. Why? God. That's why. Our faith in Jesus Christ. That's why. Knowing that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's why. That's why. I'm going to leave y'all. Judas 1. Beloved, listen. I must give you all these scriptures. Because some of us may not. And I don't know why. Because we must make time to study this word. To show ourselves approved. So I thank God for this podcast as a vehicle for Bible study. Judas, not Judas, Jude. (laughs) Get me started. Tells us, but beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. Amen. See, Christ's apostles told us what was going to be happening now. He said, Mockers should come in these last days who walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. These are the ones who claim Jesus' name. Just just make it a mockery of the cross because of their own sinful desires that they habitually indulge. They have not the spirit of Christ. They say they do. Nope, they don't. Jude 1.4 For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So, I'm going to leave y'all with the question. Can we live without sin? Beloved, think long and hard about your answer because only those who fulfill the will of God will enter his kingdom. Amen. Amen. Father, we see Christ Jesus. In Matthew 7, 21, 23, he said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, 
have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works, and then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. The Lord tells us, Father, in Matthew 7, 13 to 14, if we just go back up. He said, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Amen. Father, it is written that not many people will enter the kingdom of God. The majority of people will just adapt to the world and do the same worldly things as, as the rest of the society. Only those who are truly of another spirit will choose the right path. Amen. Father, speaking of one who has another spirit, we see in Numbers 14, 20 to 24. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word, but as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord because of all those men which has seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have tempted me now these 10 times and have not hearkened to my voice. Surely they shall not see the land which I swore unto their fathers. Neither shall any of them that provoked me see it, but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and hath followed me fully. Him will I bring into the land whereinto he went and his seed shall possess it. Amen. Father, your word is replete. Scripture after scripture, commandment after commandment, that those who do not heed to your word and choose to live a willful life of disobedience will not inherit your kingdom. Not at all. So, Father, thank you for more grace. Thank you that we have the opportunity today to repent and confess those things that you find grossly offensive to you. Have mercy on us today, Father. The Lord says over here in Luke chapter 13, verse 5, I tell you no, but unless you repent, change your old way of thinking, turn from your sinful ways and live changed lives, you will all likewise perish. Amen. And if we come down to verse 9, 
And if it, verse 8, verse 7. I'm just going to start at verse 6, Father, why not? This is about the parable of the fig tree. Jesus was saying, then he began telling his telling them this parable. A certain man had a fig tree that he had that had been planted in his vineyard and he came looking for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the vineyard keeper for three years, I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree and have found none. Cut it down. Why does it even use up the ground, depleting the soil and blocking the sunlight? But he replied to him, let it alone, sir, just one more year until I dig around it and put in fertilizer and put in fertilizer. And if it bears fruit after this, fine. But if not, cut it down. So, Father, you are giving us more and more time and more and more of your grace. And if we continue to live fruitless lives of darkness and disobedience, we shall be cut down. Amen. All right, beloved. There we have it. Glory be to God. I hate to keep being the bearer the bearer of doom and gloom, but we all better get a clue. Yes, we are to live holy. There's no excuse under the sun why, why, <clears throat> why we cannot live a life that is characterized by righteousness. No reason. None. Don't say about the flesh. Don't talk about this sinful world. Don't talk about nothing but Christ and him crucified. Because if it was not doable to, to be holy, then he would not have told us to do so. And it will make him out to be a liar. And we know Jesus is no liar. Amen. Amen. Lord willing, until next time, repent and believe, stop sinning and turn back to God. And Lord willing, until next time, I shall be speaking to you all soon. Bye for now. Thank you guys for tuning in. I truly appreciate all your support. Until next time, I'll be talking to y'all soon. Bye.